They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks in a trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up, SoundCloud.com? What is up? That is right. That is right. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. It's been quite some time, my peeps. It's been quite some time. Only one way to bring us back in style, and that is with a little... That's right, John Amita. We are reunited. How'd you dug this song out of the archives? I'll never know. But you, you, better, you better give the listeners the name of that group right there. I don't know where the hook is. thought I had it queued up. A little reunited, 1978. You know, that's like one of those songs that you see on one of those, like, infomercials. At three thirty in the yeah, morning, like yeah. this time life classic yeah. love song. You get the greatest <laughs> love songs from the late seventies, seventy six, seventy six disc box set. <laughs> Order now, and you get uh, you get the vinyl collection too. That's peaches and exactly. herb right there. Peaches and herb. And for four easy payments of $19.95, (laughs) it all could be yours. Hey, man, (laughs) guess how many clicks this has on YouTube? I'm going to go with 400,000. It was uploaded on December 21st, 2010. Now, granted, there's many versions of Reunited on here, but this one I clicked on, 666,054. Here we go. Wow. are back, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry for the sabbatical. Big sabbatical. My deepest but, uh, apologies you know, There the was a lot of things going on, for sure. A lot of things, brother. It's, uh, hey, out of our control, a lot of them, but work, life. But now there's a lot to, but now there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about, my man. There is. There is. This is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Podcast. I'm Joe O'Donnell. That's John Mita. It's been... Since championship weekend in the National Football League, since we were uh, since we were collaborating on sports talk, so we're we're back with a vengeance. But Johnny Mita, we missed a lot, as we just alluded to. So the three biggest stories while we were on podcast sabbatical. You ready? Give it to me. All right. Super Bowl Fifty, obvious one goes to the Broncos. Defense wins again, my friend. Cam Newton shows his true colors. You know I love that press conference. Uh, story number two, the Brotherly Love podcast would have talked about had we not been on sabbatical, vacation, whatever you want to call it. The ghost, Shane Gostabare. I butchered it. Gosh, I know it's hard to say. 
I get paid. I get paid for a living to pronounce names, and I would just call him Ghost every time he had the puck. Um, a ridiculous point streak for the Ghost, sparking the Flyers to stay in the Eastern Conference playoff race. More on that in a moment. And finally, John Mita, I think at some point, I think this might be a stretch, but you and I would have talked about the political conventions galore. Even if it was just to rip, you know, Hillary or Bernie or Trump or whoever. But at some point, we would have talked politics even for a split second on the Brotherly Love podcast because it it is such a hot topic these days. All right, what do you got? Three biggest stories that we missed. The the political race, you know, like that video game that's very popular, everybody plays, including my brother, who's like the number one fan, Clash of Clans. Yeah. The political race should be called Clash of Clowns. <laughs> the pick a candidate is uh, a little crazy. What do I got? Yeah. Big stories. One of the biggest is, you know, it kind of dropped out and they'll lead into the other one. A couple big ones were, you know, Peyton Manning uh, coming out of sexual harassment lawsuit when he was at the University of Tennessee. Yeah. All of a sudden, years later, documents have been unsealed and apparently uh, he was in the training room and kind of showed his package to a trainer and kind of ruined her career and everything was all hush hush and basically this all got put out because the university of tennessee is being sued in a civil suit over sexual harassment regarding several of their sports programs so that that was a big story that came out literally right after the super bowl another story is pain man retired the sheriff is finally hanging up he talked about playing another year why would you Go get your hip surgery in the broadcast booth. You were a phenomenal quarterback hanging up. Another story that came out that has some pertinence to the people in the Philadelphia area is, uh, and I don't know if you saw this, and we kind of didn't even talk about it, but the Kansas City Chiefs got fined for tampering with Jeremy Macklin from last year um, regarding the free agency process. Apparently they were contacting him way too early in the process before illegal tampering as the NFL calls it is allowed. And the NFL came down pretty stiff. And guess who came down on him? That's right. Former Eagle, Troy Vincent, fined Andy, the Chiefs organization, $75,000. Andy Reid, $25,000. And the loss of their third and sixth round draft pick. So, they took one for tampering hard on the chin. Yeah. My only question is, because if they tamper with one of you know with one of our players, can we get a little compensatory tampering pick? So yeah. that was another big story, and those are three that I had you know that were you know pretty relevant. Hey, I'd give up a third and a six for Jeremy Macklin right now. <laughs> You're not good. All right. Uh, you are not good. Here, here's what we got in store for you on the Brotherly Love podcast. Again, it's been a while. We'll talk a lot of Eagles. Uh, we're going to have a little wrinkle, kind of a on-the-fly Eagles segment real quick. Then we've got to talk March Madness because Villanova right in the mix as a number two seed. I know Johnny Meade has got some thoughts on that. We'll talk about the Fly Guys yeah. because they are red hot. One again tonight. Uh, just gone final. They beat the Hawks, so they've won back-to-back games against pretty difficult and basically playoff teams uh, in the Wings and the Blackhawks. And then we'll get into the Phillies because spring training is uh, you know, right in the thick of things. And, and really, honestly, we're just a couple of weeks away from opening day, surprisingly. So 
Uh, we got a lot to get into here on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Appreciate all the support and love. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at BelovePodcast. All right, Johnny Mita, for our Eagles segment, you and I have a number of topics, things that have basically happened in the last four weeks or so involving the Philadelphia Eagles. From today's news that they signed wide receiver Chris Givens all the way to you know, Sam Bradford re-signing, Jim Schwartz employing the wide nut. we got a whole lot of topics. You and I are going to randomly select them from our list. We've got, uh, I've got little scraps of paper here. I don't know what technique you're using. Whichever one you pick up, you roll with, you give it, and uh, and then cross it off your list so that, uh, or I'll cross it off my list essentially so we don't double dip. Sound good? Sound good, buddy. All right, brother, you start. Pick away. All right. Sign safety, Rodney McLeod from the Rams. All right. Love this deal. Um, he's a young safety. Watch a big highlight film on him. The good thing with him is he's more of that physical safety presence that we haven't had since Brian Dawkins. And the guy's a short tackler. He's very young. They extended Malcolm Jenkins. And I think together we finally have two safeties. They're going to be a great tandem for years upcoming. And the fact that that position is finally solidified on the defense end, that's big for us. Sure. All right, here we go. I've got uh, re-sign Lane Johnson, Vinnie Curry, Zach Ertz, and Malcolm Jenkins. You kind of touched on Jenkins. Uh, love locking up the young talent, especially Ertz, especially Johnson. You and I talked a little bit, I think, on our last podcast about Vinnie Curry. He obviously hasn't produced to the numbers that his contract is bearing out now but they think he's a good fit for the 4-3. I saw he's lost 10 pounds. He's down to a weight he wants to play at, I think, in the 250s. So we'll see how Vinny Curry does if he can earn that contract. He's going to get a lot of time on the football field, something he didn't have the last couple years, playing about 35% of the snaps or whatever it was. Vinny Curry now is going to be on the field probably three downs pretty regularly. You get Lane Johnson locked up. That was a great draft pick. Last time the Eagles have been in the top 10 prior to this year. We'll get to that move probably here in a minute. Love getting Zach Ertz locked uh, locked up long-term. And Malcolm Jenkins, the leader of the defense, love that he was one of the guys that's a holdover, right? So many guys from the Chip Kelly era banished, but Malcolm Jenkins not. And he was a pretty staunch supporter of Chip Kelly, but obviously he's a great leader and had his best year maybe as a pro last season, Pro Bowl nominee. So uh, for the Eagles to keep those guys in-house and pretty good cap-friendly contracts, I, I like it all around. Yeah. You've really hit on some good points there. Here's another one on mine. DeMarco Murray traded to the Titans to move up spots in the fourth round. I, I love this move. Um, clearly, this guy didn't want to be here. He comes out and finally actually admits it at his press conference with the Tennessee Titans that, that it was basically his fault in Philly. And I just, if a guy doesn't want to be here and play for this football team, just, just, just leave. We, we don't want you on our team. And, you know, that type of attitude spills over to other players in the organization. And the fact that we got anything in return for him, I would have taken, you know, a stack of footballs. Love the fact that he's out of town. We got somebody, he had to rework his contract because he basically pretty much stole $9 million a year. So, love that move by Alex. And you saw a lot of these moves, Johnny. Made obviously helping the Eagles save some cash. All right, next up for me, let's see what I got here. Oh, I love this one. Howie Roseman is clearly in charge. Well, if you didn't know, now you know. Howie is the boss. He's out of his cubicle down the hall in the broom closet. He's dusted off his old office next to Jeffrey Lurie. He has saddled up, and he is now 
the head honcho. Maybe once again the head honcho. Depends on who you believe or how much you know. The bottom line is, now we can hold somebody's feet to the fire, John Mita. Forget the GM you want him to hire. It ain't happening. Forget the football analysis guy you want him to It ain't happening. Howie Roseman is the man. Personnel, contracts, you name it. And guess what? He's cheap as hell. He's frugal as hell. And who knows if he knows a damn thing about picking football players in the NFL draft. But we're going to find out because there's no more hiding. It's all Howie Roseman. I don't like it, but at least I know what's up now. There's no more gray area. Howie's in charge. Another one. Listen, I was very skeptical. And I'll lead into this move, maybe for GM consideration of the year. Tico, Alonzo, and Byron Maxwell. Man, you're getting all the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Traded to move up five spots in the NFL draft, man. This move was awesome for many reasons. These guys, we thought they could be cornerstones on the defense, and they were nothing but bleeding stones on the defense. The fact that he pulled this move off, we moved up five more slots to get an impact player for the upcoming year due to the fact that we don't have a second-round pick. Thank you, Chip Kelly, the GM. Great move by Howie on this one. And to shed that terrible salary that Byron Maxwell that we gave. If the, if the Eagles had lost the last game of the year, where would they have finished? 11th instead of 13th or 9th? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the top 10. Like yeah. Like with the Giants for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So basically by winning yeah. the last game, now making this trade, you're back where you essentially would have been. Right. I, mean, exactly. I Look, but I'm not exactly. as big of a fan as the move as you are because – I, th- I, th- I feel like there's more to be had for for those two guys. And I understand that Byron Maxwell has some baggage, and he doesn't like to tackle, and his salary is way too high. But he's also a starting NFL cornerback. Yeah. They don't grow on trees. Kiko Alonso, we waited, we waited, we waited some more. It never happened. But who knows? If Kiko Alonso returns to even 90% of the form he was at in Buffalo for a season and a half or a season and a preseason before he got hurt, are the Dolphins the team? Let me put it this way. If the Eagles miss on this draft pick five years from now, are we looking at that trade as a terrible one for the Philadelphia Eagles? If they draft the next yeah, Danny yeah. Watkins, if they draft the next Marcus Smith, eighth overall this year, yeah. granted you saved a lot of money, but I think it's a to move up only five spots and not even get like a token fourth-round draft pick, fifth-round draft pick, you know, people yeah. are thinking that Howie fleeced the Dolphins – Two years from now, we'll know. Yeah. Bottom line. All right. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why, that's why when you mentioned like that fourth rounder originally, you know, some of the reporters are kind of flailing that, that, right. that idea out there. Yep. And basically, when you think about it, like, if Buffalo, I mean, Buffalo, here we go. In Miami, they're essentially probably going to get two defensive starters out of the deal. So to move up five slots and only move back five, you basically acquired two defensive starters. Right. And you still own your first-round draft pick? Yeah. I mean, that's a good move for that. If they have the money. Well, And okay. they do. And if they have the money, and do these guys play to their potential? Yeah. All right. Next up so. for me, Nolan Carroll re-signs. Um, you know, I like it because all of a sudden, trading Byron Maxwell, you're a little thin depth-wise. I thought Nolan Carroll was more than serviceable. I think you and I and the rest of Eagles Nation felt he should have been playing two seasons ago while Bradley Fletcher and Kerry yeah. Williams were getting torched and run over at exactly. all. Um, 
you know, exactly. it, it was tough to see him go down and, and be out for the rest of the year. I guess it was that Thanksgiving game. But Eric Rowe, once he got his bearings about him, maybe it was the best thing because it got Eric Rowe a ton of playing time. So between the depth cornerbacks they signed in the offseason, re-signing Nolan Carroll, bringing back Eric Rowe, obviously, hoping he takes that next step. And with the safeties you touched on, yeah. Eagles defense on the back end, again, on paper, if they stay healthy. Plus, let's keep in mind, Ja'Cory Shepard coming back, torn ACL uh, last year during training yeah. camp. Now you have some depth at the nickel yeah. position and on the outside as well, hopefully. All right, uh, two more for you, one more for me. Go ahead, brother. All right. Uh-huh. Let's go with the signing of QB Chase Daniel from the Chiefs. Oh, good one, good all one. All along, all along, you know, people were flooding that name. If Sam Bradford doesn't return, you know, Doug's going to take this guy. Chase Daniel knows the system. He's only thrown 77 passes in the National Football League. This guy could be your starter while they groom a young rookie. I like to move. The money was questionable in this deal. I think it's like, and this guy's getting big, you know, big-time money. But that leads to probably one a topic that you'll pick up. So yeah. all in all, I think the guy deserves some backup. It also came out that he might even compete for the starting job. So we'll see. Should be interesting. All right, here we go. Last one for me. I'm gonna jumble these up. I need a good one here. I need a good one. Let's see what do we got. We got. Oh, oh! I couldn't have planned this any better. Is. Releasing Just of wide player. receiver Riley Cooper. Yeah. Thank the football gods. Yeah. Thank the football gods. That loser, bum of a wide receiver, Riley Cooper, I yeah. wish I knew his middle name to make it more formal, is gone yeah. forever. Has he signed with anybody? Who cares? Doesn't matter. He stinks. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. That's uh-huh. a perfect way for me to go out. One more from you. All right. Well, this is probably one of the Sam Bradford re-signed with the Eagles. This was a big one. Um, we were talking when the agent was flowing that $25 million number out there. People were like, I'm like, I would be shocked if anybody even comes close. So the Eagles were signing him, two-year deal. I like the deal because if you looked at the QB class free agent-wise, it wasn't great. I probably would have taken a flyer on a guy like RG3 for one year. But it, it's a deal that works out for both sides. You get a QB, they could get out after one year. If the young man that they draft, and there's no question about it, at some point in this draft, they're going to draft a quarterback. And with the insurance of signing Chase Daniel. But all in all, I thought it was a decent deal for both sides. You know, we'll see what happens. With better pieces around them, you know, with two starting guards in this league, you know, maybe Bradford comes out and, and – and lives up to his potential, the big P word. But oh no, I thought it was another decent move, and it didn't, talk, you know, it didn't cost your team, you know, a hundred million dollars to sign, you know, a mediocre quarterback. How many teams we'll reshape their roster back to back off seasons like the Eagles have? I mean, you know, you're you're you get to be in Oakland Raiders yeah. and Cleveland Browns territory when you start blowing things up every single off season, changing coaches, et cetera. But yeah. hopefully that this time, you know. They've made the yeah. correct decisions, and they build the proper foundation. All right, let's jump to Villanova, the Wildcats, Nova Nation. March Madness is in full swing. The tourney officially starts by the time this podcast is posted. Uh, games will probably be just kicking off. We'll pick a few games, some first-rounders here or there, just for fun, Johnny Mita. But you're the big college hoops guy. Yeah. 
Tell me what you made of Villanova's 69-67 loss in the Big East Tourney final to Seton Hall. A heartbreaker, obviously, yeah. leading late with that, you know, with possession of the basketball, unable to get it done. They yeah. dropped to a two seed. So start with the Big East final and then take us to some potential matchups for Nova. You know, Seton Hall was very impressive in the Big East tournament. The fact that they were able to beat Xavier twice in the last two weeks of the season is very impressive. Isaiah Whitehead, guy was playing out of his mind, giving Nova fits. I think he ended up with like 26 points. Uh, the one big story in this game, and obviously I'm biased, I'm a Villanova fan, but the officiating down the stretch in this game, and it was bad for both sides. I'm not going to say that it wasn't, but there were just certain calls like, Daniel Achefu got this rebound. He literally gets gorilla bear hugged by somebody, and the whistles were silent. Josh Hart comes down. He gets triple teamed, and he does a great job. He doesn't swing his elbow. He pivots, silent. You know, they don't call anything. They don't call the reach and foul, which it clearly reaches all over the place. They don't call that foul, and then they call him for five seconds. The other thing is, at the end of the game, Nova gets a look. Josh Hart, he's been a great player for the team all year. He's three feet away from the basket, throws up a shot. The shot doesn't get blocked. He's hit on his arm by three different people. Under a minute, whistles are silent. They end up losing the game. And that game, basically, in my opinion, cost them a number one seed. They gave two number one seeds to the, you know, to the ACC this year. And granted, Listen, I'm not going to tell you that the ACC doesn't have better quality teams than the Big East. They definitely do. But if you look at Villanova's resume, it's pretty impressive. Like, they really don't have a bad loss on the resume. They lost to Oklahoma out in a Hawaiian high school gymnasium. Right? They lose to Virginia by, like, six points. Down the stretch, the game was close the entire game at Virginia. They lost to Xavier at Xavier, and they lost to Providence at home and then Seen Hall. So they have five losses on the year. But if you look at it, three of those top three of those teams were pretty much in the top ten all year. So I think the hit committee owes them a little bit. They probably should have been in the East region. It would have set up a great path for them. They're playing in Brooklyn this week. They get UNC Asheville and then they play the winner of Temple, Iowa. The big thing for Villanova is they have to make it out of the first, you know, the first weekend. They have to get to. But if I look at their, when they're in one of the tougher regions, I mean, there's some really good teams. Obviously, Kansas, you know, which is to me, Kansas is, I think, the leading favorite to take the whole thing. So Villanova was considered, you know, a number, you know, a number, almost a number one seed. Why would you put them in Kansas's bracket? It's just I don't know. Xavier to me looks like they got a better, a better seating, and they split. And they'll know made the championship game and lost by two points. So this is a good thing for Villanova. I think they're going to play with an edge. You know, it's Ryan Archidiakono. He's had a great career at Villanova. Um, I think he's. They're going to play with a chip on their shoulder. They played in the Barclays Center, so they do have familiarity. They're not too far from home. I think they play with a chip on their shoulder. I think they make a real deep run, and I think they're in a slugfest with Kansas to go to the Final Four. I can't say that they're going to beat Kansas. I'm not saying it's not possible because 
If you look at the landscape of college basketball this entire year, the number one seed in this tournament have had more loss, eight more losses than any number one seeds in the past as long as the tournament's been around. So this thing is completely wide open in the air. It's Ken Villanova. Can they play their strong defense, with they, which they've played pretty much all year, only giving up like 63 points in league play? And can they shoot the ball behind the arc? If they're shooting, if they're stroking it and they're playing good day, the Cats can make a big run this March for sure. If they don't reach the Sweet 16, is the season a disappointment? Absolutely. No question about it. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's time to finish games. And and they got to find a way. They had a really great team last year, and they just came up so small. I think the difference between this team and last year's team is they find more ways. Like, if this team doesn't shoot it well this year, I think last year was kind of more of live and die by the three. Yep. If they don't shoot it well, I think they have more guys that can create their own shot, which will be crucial down the stretch if they can't throw the ball in the ocean. Like, you have the services of Jalen Brunson. Now, granted, he's a freshman, so freshman playing your first corner games, so, you know, there's a lot of pressure and stress going on there. But he can create his own shot. Josh, Josh Hart finds a way. Of the emergence of big, smooth Chris Jenkins. The guy's doing it all. It's Draymond Green. Like, I think the Cats will find a way. And, uh, but yeah, I think it would be an absolute disappointment. I think this team is, it's time to get back to the Elite Eight, if not Final Four. All I right. think they have what it takes. And due to the fact that it's kind of, you know, there's not those dominant teams. Now, granted, Kansas is pretty good, but. Again, they wouldn't have to see them until the very end. So, all right here here's we'll here's my take for Nova Nation as far as advancing through sure. this weekend. All right, Josh Hart's got to attack the basket. That's a no brainer. Archie's got to yep. get involved early because, as you touched on, it's a, you know senior last opportunity to make a run, and I don't think he had that great of a Big East final. And nah. what do you call him? The the chef? Oh, she- oh, chef yeah. Daniel Chefu, exactly. right? The, che- the chef. He's a baby. Yeah. Listen to me. Rest. I hope he got lots of hyperbaric chamber this week. All right? You could tell he's limping yeah. on the court. And for yeah, a big man, I an know. ankle injury is tough. So the Big East final, yes, you would have loved to win back-to-back Big East tourneys. I get it. But if he got any rest from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, practice today, you know, that's yeah. that's what you want, man. You need him at as close to 100% as possible because once you start playing every other day, there's no time to get rest. So I hope the last 72 hours they they were wise with the chef. Yeah, well, you bring up a good point real quick before you keep going is the fact that when he scores over 10 points, Villanova's records are ridiculous. They're like 36-4 and four when he scores over 10 points. So he is a big factor. There's no question about And they need them. You, you hope that they blow out UNC Asheville and they just let Dow Reynolds play the entire game just to, to rest them. You yep. know what I mean? That's a great point. So. Yep. So the, uh, the, the regional, one of the regionals is here in Des Moines at Wells Fargo Arena. So I watched Indiana yeah. shoot around for a few minutes today. The NCAA okay. has invaded downtown Des Moines. Like, it's crazy. Like the the trucks, yeah. the buses, the players, and like literally, they slapped an NCAA logo that's like three feet in length over our locker room, like logo. 
So when you walk up to the door of the yeah. Iowa Wild dressing room, you can't even see the Iowa Wild play there. Like, they put logos everywhere. They don't want branding from anybody else. No sponsorship from anybody. Everything's got to come down if it's not NCAA sponsorship or an NCAA logo. It's crazy. I'm talking they must have put up 70 decals yesterday in the hallways downstairs. So I had a chance to kind of scowl around by the media room area, the, you know, the, the press yeah. conference backdrop where all the talking heads are, TV stations all yeah. over the place, all the teams are in and out of locker rooms practicing. It's pretty cool. It's, it's a huge event. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that we're out of town, but obviously we're out of town because it's in town. Because uh, traveled to Cali right. this weekend, but anyway, kind of cool to see it come in and, and take over for a few days. Um, Indiana, yeah. UConn, Kansas is here, Kentucky's here, uh, so it's pretty cool. Anyway, yeah. Stony Brook, you know, big big time Stony Brook program. Um, uh, uh, all right, I'm going to throw you a couple of games here, real quick. Some first round matchups: Iowa Temple, the Hawkeyes a seven seed, the Owls a ten seed in the South Region. Yeah, as much as I would love love to see Temple get this done against Iowa. I just think Iowa's a little too strong. Uh, they play kind of, you know, in a much better conference. They have a player by the name of Johnny Utah, not Johnny Utah from Point Break, who's, you know, a guy that's very versatile, very athletic, can shoot the ball. So I think he could pose a lot of problems for Temple's small forward. So I think it'll be a close game. And plus, Fran Duffy, he hasn't had great success in this morning. You know, an all-fully matchup for the second round, but I think Iowa gets it done. All right, I'm going to take USC-Providence for a moment in the East region, the 8-9 matchup, and I'm going Friars all the way. Maybe it's because I've watched him play against Villanova and I know how good of a player Chris Dunn is, but that guy can take over the game. And at this time of the year, elite talent a lot of times can lead you to victory. So I'll take the 9 seed, the Providence Friars, to beat the Trojans, the 8 seed in the East region. All right, one more for you, Johnny Mita. Notre Dame-Michigan, a 6-11 matchup. Um, out east, Notre Dame, Michigan, yeah. and who's the 11 seed? I'm sorry, Michigan. Oh, Michigan or Tulsa, which is going on right now, and Tulsa actually leads by a point. Oh, so maybe it's Tulsa. To go. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well, that's the playing game. Yeah. We go. Going to go with Notre Dame. They're in the ACC. They have some players. They have a great point guard named Jackson. They'll get it done. The Irish will move on. All right, I'm going to take Wisconsin and Pitt, 7-10 matchup in the East. And uh, I'm taking Pitt. I think the Badgers, you know, you win it all. It's hard to get back to that next level. They lost a lot from last year's team. I know they're still a seven seed, so they're a bit of a favorite. But I think Pittsburgh pulls the upset there. Okay. All right. Jamie Dixon, and this will be Wisconsin's first coaching. Forget the name of their coach, but he's the one that took over for Bo Ryan mid-year. You know, Jamie Dixon has a lot of tournament experience. You can be right on that. All right, we'll take a time out here on the Brotherly Love Podcast when we return. Flyers and Phillies conversation, and we'll get on out of here. The Broad Street Bullies, can they get in for the Stanley Cup playoffs? And the Phillies, cracking the bats, long tossing it. Spring training. More after this on the Brotherly Love Podcast. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast, exclusively on SoundCloud.com. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Podcast. Email us, brotherlylovepodcast at yahoo.com. Joe Donald, John Mita here with you. Talk to Eagles football, talk 
March Madness. Time to get into the Fly Guys, the Philadelphia Flyers. They are red hot. Johnny Mita winners tonight over the defending champion Chicago Blackhawks. They beat Detroit last night, the team closest to them in the playoff race. And with the win tonight for the Flyers, they are officially back in the driver's seat for a wild card berth in the Eastern Conference in the National Hockey League because they have still a game in hand on Detroit and now one more point. So the Flyers are 69 games, 80 points, 32 regulation and overtime wins. That's the top tiebreaker. Detroit's played 70 games, 79 points, and 32 regulation and overtime wins. So the two teams, even in the top tiebreaker, Flyers have a game in hand and now a point ahead of the Wings who way back when, on a podcast from yesteryear, I said would reach the Stanley Cup final. I could care less about them reaching it now based on a shot-in-the-dark prediction. Let's go Flyers. Let's go Flyers. Yeah. I mean, they it's been pretty incredible. And you got to point to one guy, man. And, you know, Shane Dawson's there has changed this team completely. When he's been called up, the point streak that he went on, it's just their power play. It's just a different breed now. You finally have somebody that can quarterback it from the back and just launch. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's amazing what a bomb, what a bomb on the back end will do. It's it's incredible. You know? I mean, he's like he kind of looks like Paul Cole. Like he just has everything you need. And I think his energy and enthusiasm as a young guy. But when you hear the guy speak at press conferences and when he gets interviewed after the game. He's just a mature young kid who loves to play hockey, and he's just invigorated this team. And you, you got to give a lot of credit to his to the coach Dave Axel. He's got these guys believing in their in his system, making the transition from you know being a college coach in the NHL, and, and he's done a and he's done a great job. Guys are buying into it. You got to give Hexel props. He's kind of made some moves, too, that, I mean, they're just minor, but just making the team chemistry. Well, and he's Getting adding draft picks, Shen. too. Well, he sh- he shaved salary. He <laughs> added draft picks. So this team has the potential to continue to get better. He bring up a great point about Haxtell, great point about Ghost. Um, yeah. You know, at the start of the year, I kind of said I thought they'd be handful of games over 500, pushing for that, you know, the quote-unquote AC. Now with the wild card, it's, you know, going for the wild card if you can't yeah. win the, you know, be top three in the division. They're 11 games over 500 now. Now, here, here's the tricky part for the Flyers. They have four more back-to-back still to go. I don't know how in the hell with basically, you know, a dozen games to go, the NHL thought it was a good idea to have four more back. I mean, so they beat the Wings and the Hawks. That was the... That was a back-to-back. So there's still four more to yeah. go now, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken, for the Philadelphia Flyers. No. That's not going to be easy. So it, I'm glad they got the points they did, four of them out of four here in this two-game set, because they made up one of those games in hand with Detroit. And uh, that means there's probably another spot where they have the back-to-back and Detroit's not playing. And back-to-backs are tough, especially now. It's playoff time. Yeah. I mean, you bring up – it's funny you say that. I literally heard that today on sports radio in town today in Philly. That's exactly what they said. Four guys, like, man, that is great. Yeah, and, and, but That's think about the this. They're, they're playing their best hockey right now, John Mita. If you're the Washington Capitals, yeah. the Florida Panthers, and look, I know those teams are having unbelievable years, right? But at the end yeah. of the day, the scariest thing about going into the Stanley Cup playoffs is playing a team that's red hot. This isn't 
a one versus eight possibility where a team's barely getting in. You're talking about a team that has erased like a seven point playoff deficit in the last month. And if they can continue to play at, you know, a 700 clip, they're eight, one, one, their last 10. If they even come down in that 650 or 700%, uh, you know, winning percentage the rest of the way and get in, nobody's going to want to play them because they have two goalies right now. that are playing great. Mason and Neuvert. You mentioned ghost. You know, Voracek skating could be back. Simmons is having a breakout year. Defensively, the Flyers aren't going to scare anybody with their 6D. Don't forget about Shatter. Yeah, Braden's having a hell of a year. He's had the best year of his career. So, I, you know, look, here's my question for you, John. I mean, and this isn't even necessarily Flyers related. This is Philadelphia related. Since I'm not there, is the town flyered up yet? Or will they be after last night and tonight? Tonight, it's it's starting to happen. The calls, even even the sports hosts here in town are letting more flyer calls come in. Now, the fact that they are in an absolute race, it's going to come down the last three and a half weeks of the season. So there's no question about it. People are getting flyered up. There was so much movement with the football team in town as far as, you know, transactions and trades and signings. And so, but yeah, now you're starting to feel it. I think this thing gets hooked up, heated up. You also have, I think, what, do they play Pittsburgh three more times in the next three weeks? Yeah, they got right? Pittsburgh on Saturday's like their next game, and it's at home, so that building's going to be rocking. Yeah, so you got Pittsburgh coming up, who they're also in the chase with. I know they're a little further ahead than the Red Wings, but it's it's going to be crazy, for sure. This town always gets fired up when they're in the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're very passionate hockey fans here in this city. There's no doubt about that. All right. So. Let's jump to the Philadelphia Phillies, where there probably can't be a whole lot of buzz. The over-under for wins, John Mita, I'm going to set it at 70 games. Do the Phillies win more or less than 70 games this year? For the record, Vegas, Vegas has it at 66 and a half, and the Phillies won 63 last year. Yeah, I, I think, again, they're going to be on the verge of losing 100 games. It's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be tight, man. It's... Uh, uh. You know, the over, I can't the, believe I'm laughing at that. 70. <laughs> Maybe they get to 69. It's just that they have no pitching, you know? Who is their pitching staff? They got a lot of unknowns everywhere. Ryan Howard looks like he's cooked. The good thing is there's some young up-and-coming talent to get you excited. Mikhail Franco is tearing the cover off the ball. Leads all major leaguers this spring with six home runs. He's just having a year. If they can rebuild, it's they're in transition right now. There's no question about it. It's going to take the next couple of years, get some more pitching, add some free agents. I think Clintech, you know, the the GM. I think they're on the right way. But this is, you know, if you think they're going to win 75, 80 games, you know, good luck with that. Put the pipe down. You, you better. You put the price down. Are you but, are you a believer in the process? You mentioned Matt Clintac, the GM, acquiring yeah, young assets. I, I am because I just think that again, there's no way to do it except for when, when your guys get that old and you go on a run. The only way to do it is to tear the thing down. People are very critical of the Sixers right now, but honest to God, if they were to keep some of their players and go back and forth, like. It just and, and keep trying to get into the A spot, you know, when you're two games over 500 in the NBA and you keep getting that 15 to 16 traffic, you're not going to improve your, your basketball team 
unless you get some. So it's um, yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. So I am in favor of the process. I think. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they traded Giles. They're like, well, if we're not going to win that many games, why do we need an all-star closer? I mean, you and I kind of we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens, but. Hopefully the Cole Hamels trade pans out. You got Mikhail Franco. He's going to be a stud. J.P. Crawford, the next you know up and coming shortstop. Then you can get. I think the guy they drafted Randolph maybe becomes your starting first baseman two years from now. So, well, hopefully we'll be back in the fall and through the miracle of Christ, we'll find a way to land Mike <laughs> Trout here. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Um, I think, you know, the player I should be most excited about this year is Darren Ruff, but I, I'm not. I just, I don't know yeah. if I'm just not buying that Kool-Aid or drinking that Kool-Aid. I think the player I'm most excited about is Aaron Nola again, because when was, you know, Cole Hamels is the last homegrown pitcher to come up and have this type of hype. So is Nola going to win 20 games? Probably not. It's going to be on an awful baseball team. But if he can win you yeah. 12 to 15 games and have an ERA in the low threes uh, and prove that yeah. last year's you know rookie kind of coming out yeah. party wasn't a fluke, then you say, hey, we have a we have a legitimate number two, number three, upside number one starter for the next five years possibly. And that might be jumping the gun a bit after one you know one and a half good years. Yeah. But if Aaron Nola comes in and shows you what. He showed everybody last year, shows the organization that he's legit, shows he's adding pitches in the offseason. Um, then you start to build that nucleus around Franco, around Nola, yeah. Cameron Rupp. You know, can he ha- can he play 100 games this year? Darren Ruff, does he get the opportunities to get 300 at-bats like he should or 350 at-bats? And then how about yeah. these young kids? You know, is J.P. Crawford ready a year from now or is he ready in September? So... Uh, there is some excitement there. It could be a long year again. I think they can win 70 games. I really do. Hey, they're playing well in spring training for whatever the hell that's worth. But again, the Eagles went 3-1 and one in the preseason. It looked like they were going to win the Super Bowl, and then they stunk. Exactly. Exactly. All right, brother. I'm going to throw you two more games here before we get on out of here, right? NCAA. All right, I'm going to give you... Colorado UConn in the South. Colorado an 8-seed, UConn the 9-seed. Well, one of my good friends, Steve Peasy, he, he's an AD, one of the ADs at Colorado. But unfortunately, man, I think the Huskies put it to the Buffaloes in this one. Is he in town, by the way? Is he in Des Moines, Iowa? If, is, is Colorado there? Then he's in town. Yes. Well, I should have probably, I should he, he probably be, hit him up, man. He's probably in the building yeah. today. It's too late for that. All right. Uh, yeah. Oregon. You, you fly out tomorrow, right? Yeah. Oregon you fly State. Out tomorrow? Yeah. By the time this podcast yeah. airs, I'll be on my way to Cali. Going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. Oregon State, VCU in the West. Seven seed, Oregon State. Number 10 seed, VCU. Who you like? Hmm. I, uh, I like VCU. I don't know. It's tournament time. I know that Shaka Smart's not their coach, but. I don't know. Something about VCU and Oregon State's kind of been up and down all year. Gary Payton's son, Gary Payton Jr., is a hell of a basketball player, but something about VCU and their frantic pace that they play with. All right. It was VCU. You're the man. Good luck to Villanova, Nova Nation. Hopefully, by the time we get you back on the it, air, buddy. they're getting ready for the Sweet 16. Yep. We'll be talking Eagles draft. I'll have a draft preview. Maybe give a list of guys who the Eagles should target in the upcoming draft. And, uh, you know, we'll do some other things as well. 
It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. For John Mead, I'm Joe O'Donnell. Appreciate all the support. Sorry for such a long hiatus. We're back better than ever. Until next time, we'll see Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 